Hello and welcome to the Amateur Podcast. Today we are talking to Charlie Vu, owner and operator of Canine Engineer, a dog training service in Toronto, Ontario, and he's going to help us learn how to train a dog. Charlie, thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, no worries, man. Thanks for having me on here, right? Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you because as as I was telling you before we started recording, I adopted a dog a couple months ago. And so it's mm-hmm. been quite quite an experience adapting to having first time being a first time dog owner and trying to train a dog. And um and yeah, so I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh all right. Yeah, well, it's always fun. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, first of all, tell me about the, the work you do at Canine Engineer. Yeah. So uh, at the Canine Engineer, we primarily focus on like pet dogs. Um, so, you know, we do like anything from basic obedience, um, behavior modification. And what I really like to, to specialize in is e-collar conditioning and teaching a dog, you know, what an e-collar is and then you know, getting getting the dog to know what the e-collar is before we start using it in different applications. Right. So that's kind of my like, that's my specialty. That's like, that's what I like to do the most. I love to be able to see like <clears throat> getting a dog out in the forest and just running amok and then just being being a crazy dog, but then still you know having that safety 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 net um, from our e collar, right? That way we can be safe and responsible with our dogs, even though we're letting them off leash and and be wild. Oh, that's interesting. I've I've never heard of an e collar before. Could you uh, explain a little bit what that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So an e-collar, um, basically uh, a remote leash, right? Okay. Um, you know, there's different types. You know, they use vibration, sound, some of them use electricity as a stem. Um, typically, the ones I use will be using the electricity as a stem, but there are, like, really big differences between, um, like, what kinds of electric stem. Like, there's definitely some, some e-collars out there that I would label as shock collars, and that, those just, like those just hurt and you can't really teach the dog anything with that mm-hmm. and it's just there for solely for punishing the dog which is you know that's it's not that fair right yeah uh in my type of training i do believe in you know correcting the dog and telling the dog no you know if it's doing something really dangerous i will apply punisher mm-hmm. but we don't want to be just you know every single thing the dog does he's getting a punisher right that yeah that's a pretty unfair way to train mm-hmm. um but you know with the higher quality collars um, even though they still get a bad rep just because they're all tied into the same kind of group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the stimulation from the electricity is so low that, you know, we're able to show the dog what's going on, you know, how to turn that pressure off without it freaking out or anything like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how does it work? Is it a ro- remote control that yeah, sends so the electricity? So, yeah. So the dog, the dog's got a, a collar on with the receiver on it and then you just got a remote on your end Yeah. and, uh, there's different modes, you know, you can, you apply the stimulation for like half a second or uh-huh. you can hold on to that until the dog completes whatever um, obedience it is okay um but yeah it's essentially you know just a, a wireless leash right? right you can touch you can go out and, and and give your dog some pressure or let him know to come back when he can't hear you when he's you know two three hundred meters out from you hmm. and it's, it's just something you can't do with the leash yeah. right yeah typically you know all of our training is based on that leash first yep um and then, you know, we'll, as a dog, you know, kind of shows an understanding of all the behaviors we want, then we'll kind of switch over to, to the e-collar down the road okay. once we can get the dog to be, you know, yeah, like I said earlier, like two, three hundred meters away from us. Okay. Um, but yeah. 
Interesting. So the e-collars, are they new relatively? Or is it something that uh, is, you know, 10 years old or less than 10 years old? Mm -hmm. or yeah. Okay. So they've been around for a while. Yeah. I'd say probably like 30, 40 years at least. Okay. Um, but what is new is, is, is the way we kind of train with them. Mm. Right. So, you know, back in the day with the e-collar on with your working dogs, you would, it would have one level it was on or off, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so back in the day, you know, if the dog didn't recall from, you know, especially with the working dog, if the dog didn't recall back then, you would just, it would just hit that button and mm -hmm. the dog would just get zapped. Okay. Um, that's an old school way, yeah. right? Uh, that's the old school way of using e-collars. Uh -huh. But within the past, I'd say eight or 10 years, the, the way that, you know, a lot of trainers like me use the e-collar has really changed. Yeah. where you know we we really do take the time to teach the dog so yeah so what what is new yeah is is the technique the e-collars have been around for a long time uh -huh. um but the technique how we want to use it and you know the mindset of, of trainers using it now has really really shifted huh. and it's shifted you know for the better right because obviously we don't want to just be zapping our dogs for no reason or for just sure. because yeah. you know yeah yeah. So do you, is that something you recommend that dog owners uh adopt is e-collar training yeah, I love it. I mean, if, if you, you are, you know, going out to the cottage in the summertime yeah. or, you know, taking your dog out on hikes and whatnot, you definitely want that e-collar just as a safety net, right? Like right. for me, I, anytime I'm taking my dogs out for, uh, you know, for um, a more intense adventure or, you know, I'm going snow snowmobiling with my dogs, mm -hmm. I have the e-collar on, right? It's just there for backup though, right? Because at, at, at our point in training, you know, for the most part, the dog should be listening to your vocal commands right you should have you know done enough of the the groundwork that you don't really need the e-collar yeah to, to make the dog do whatever it is but it's there in case you know you say there's you know a squirrel or something something pops up right and it's a situation that you haven't trained for before mm -hmm. that e-collar is going to give you that safety net it's like oh you know okay we haven't trained for this scenario before but i have this e-collar here just as my backup pace, hey, you know, come back here, right? Even though we haven't trained for it. Yeah. Um, just so I can't get the dog back, right? Because, you know, it is, uh, especially with that recall, it is kind of like a safety thing, right? For sure, yeah. yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't need my dog getting hurt or, or, or yeah. dying right? yeah. if you chase a, a bunny across the road or something like that. <laughs> yeah, um, that's interesting. It's something that I've never really heard of. I mean, I've heard of shock collars, and I guess that's, as you say, that sort of gives the e-collars a bad, a bad reputation maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, they all get lumped together. Yeah, that's a, a that's interesting. That and it's cool that it's sort of a new training technique that's come out of the last ten years. Um, how did you learn to be a dog trainer, and how did using e collars become a part of your training regimen? Mm -hmm, yeah, for sure. Um, so I mean, like growing up as a kid, just like you, you know, my my parents never let me have a dog, mm -hmm. uh, which sucks. <laughs> but you know i've always yep. i was always around like friends with dogs yeah. like my other family members my extended family would have dogs so you know it started off pretty um pretty naturally like, you know just watch on tv you know watch like dog whisper and all that stuff and, and, and watching those, those competitions um, the obedience competition and i just started you know doing like for fun you know teaching dogs you know friends and family's dogs how to sit downs and all that stuff and then you know that that's been on and off since I was a kid. Um, and around my teenage years, I, I, you know, I got, I started getting a little bit more interested, more and more interested. Um, and then I finally rescued a dog and, um, you know, I tried all these kind of 
you know, just positive reinforcement stuff, training with treats and mm-hmm. everything worked out well for the obedient side. But man, that dog behavior wise was just, uh, it, it was hell. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a lab and a husky. So, oh, okay. So it was, it was a pretty crazy mix. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I sought out, you know, extra help from another trainer. Okay. And then, um, and he was a balanced trainer. He showed me some techniques. He's like, you know, he, he gave me a lot of mentorship yep. uh, and, you know, really showed me the ropes through you know, how we want to get through to our dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 90% of it is going to be using treats and, and being fun and rewarding the dog for everything, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, once in a while, if, if they are being jerks, you know, if they are doing something stupid and dangerous, you know, we definitely have to say no, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the probably biggest problem about a lot of dog owners is that they really feel uncomfortable saying no to their dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from there, you know, I just kind of got hooked onto it. You know, I've always had a natural affinity with animals. So, you know, as I, as I was working on rehabbing my own dog, I, um, yeah, I just realized, that, hey, this is something I could help, uh, you know, other people with. And, you know, a lot of it was trial and error, mm-hmm. um, you know, lots of, so yeah, a lot of trial and error, um, you know, talking to mentors and stuff. Mm-hmm. I never went through any shadowing programs or like apprenticeship programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just got my hands on a lot of dogs and just started working on them from there. A lot of self-help. But I would definitely say don't go that route because, you know, <laughs> there's, there's, if you want to become a professional trainer, yeah, definitely don't go that route. You make a lot of mistakes and, you know, I've gotten... I've got my, my handful of bites that, you know, <laughs> looking back now are just super avoidable. Um, but yeah, you know, find like a really nice mentor like, like I did. And then, you know, ask them if you want to be, if, if you can like shadow them or apprentice or whatever, and they'll really show you the rope. Mm. Um, but yeah, there's, like there's a lot of good information online too. Like if you're just going to want to be casual about it, mm-hmm. you just got to kind of do your stiff thing, right? Yeah. Um, that, but that's with anything really, not just. That's cool. So I guess you have scars to, uh, to show, to show for all your hard work and your training, um, or your learning how to be a dog trainer. Yeah. It's scars and ripped up hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what is one of the biggest mistakes that you made while you were learning to train dogs? I would say patience is probably one of the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with, with younger dogs, mm-hmm. I found I like, you know, my patience wasn't really, really all there, especially when you're trying to work, you know, do something for a client, you, you know, we, we were saying that, you know, I'm going to get, you know, we'll get the dog to do this and that. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'll be a little bit too impatient with the dog where I'll try to push them for too long and then mm-hmm. just check out. Right. Um, it's, it's not really like a, <clears throat> like a detrimental mistake, mm-hmm. uh, but it just kind of, you know, hinders you, right. If the dog checks out, um, you know, he doesn't want to do, a, you know, A, B, and C anymore. And then, you know, as the owner or as a trainer, you get a little bit frustrated, mm-hmm. right? Because you've only, only got this, you know, <clears throat> a lot of a lot of time space to, to work on that dog. Um, but yeah, now, you know, I'm, I'm pretty more loosey-goosey. You know, I tell the clients, like, this is what we're going to do, but it might not happen. Uh, okay. Especially with, like, a younger pup, like anything yeah. under a year old. Nowadays, it's just, it's very loosey-goosey you know, huh. a lot of people try to ask for like a syllabus or, or you know whatever it is yeah. uh, and i'll say well you know we're not going to get that because <laughs> it's going to be up to the dog really right yeah 
For sure. So it's it sounds like it's a lot of it involves sort of um, being flexible with your expectations of the dog. Yeah, exactly. And adjusting those expectations as as needed when when you're on the fly. Yeah, yeah staying on, on your toes, right? Yeah. Uh huh. And it sounds like patience is a big part of that as well, and not not getting frustrated, not losing your temper with your dog, which is which I've done <laughs> on a few occasions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's, it's totally natural, right? Yeah. Like you know, some some people, if they hear that, they, they you know they 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 lose it on you there. But yeah. <laughs> it's, it's natural, right? We're yeah. we're human, you know. We're gonna get frustrated, and that's what I tell all my clients. Too. Yeah. Like, it's okay, right? Like, yeah. You know, sometimes we're working on a really hard behavior, and you know, I can do all these things, and I give leash back to the owners, and they can't do the same things, and they get frustrated. You know, mm. I've had some clients cry on me. Mm. Like, whoa, 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 just you know, don't take it so hard, right? Just, yeah. You know, we're gonna work through this, but just be patient, right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so when we, let's say we get a, we're, we get a dog or we're thinking about getting a dog. Is there anything we need to know about dogs in general before we approach the training aspect? Yeah. I mean, well, dogs, you know, they're, they're, they're pack animals, right? Yeah. So, you know, you really want to realize that, you know, getting a dog is, is not so much of a, of a, you know, this is my companion relationship. Right, mm-hmm. we're obviously going to have some of those aspects in our relationship, but the biggest thing that people need to realize is, you know, when you get a dog, it's very much about you being a leader, right? Right. Um, you know, not 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 that all that alpha alpha dog guys okay. and all that stuff. It's yeah. just, you know, you need to realize that that dog is going to be looking for some sort of leadership hmm. um, in your relationship, right? And if you ha- if you if you start off right off that working on that leadership, you know, really letting the dog know that he's the rules, he's the boundaries. I've got some expectations of you, depending on how young that dog is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're going to be working together. Then you're going to avoid a lot of, a lot of um, behavior issues down the road. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just super simple by, by really having, making sure that you have that leadership aspect in, in your relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So how, how do you establish that leadership role with your relationship yeah. with the dog? Yeah. So... Typically, you know, would say we just brought that dog home. Uh, we want to start giving it some rules and boundaries. We want to make sure, you know, everyone in the house is on the same page mm-hmm. about letting know, letting the dog know what those rules and boundaries are. Mm-hmm. That's going to be your, you know, your really first big step to mm-hmm. building that leadership, right? Um, helping the dog through the you know, tough, tough, uh, tough scenarios and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 not really something that's easy to kind of pinpoint on 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 you know to build that leadership, mm-hmm. but just, you know, it's something I tell people in the back to keep in the back of their mind, right? Like right. be a leader. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Training a dog is about showing leadership and being a leader for your dog. And part of that, as you mentioned, is setting rules and boundaries. And you, you also mentioned earlier that a lot of dog owners or new dog owners have difficulty saying no to their dogs. So first of all, what are some sort of rules and boundaries that we should set as dog owners? Mm-hmm. So like things like, you know, door rushing. Um, yeah. The biggest one is probably going to be, you know, that door rushing, right? So all, all right. the thresholds in your house, you want to make sure the dog, you know, doesn't just blow through them without kind of looking towards you um, for that. For the go ahead. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the biggest one typically for most people is that front door, right? Mm-hmm. You open that front door and that dog just, rushes out whether it's on leash or whatever it is yeah. right so even if it's on leash or even if it's off leash or we just you know even in the backyard we just bring them out to to let them out and go pee mm-hmm. um you want to make sure that dog is you know 
sitting, you know, sits before that door, looks up at you, and you say, okay. Right? Okay. Or even if it's not going to sit and wait, um, even if it's not going to sit by that before that door, at least it's still got to wait for you to say, okay, let's go, right? Right. A lot of, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, you got to go through the door first and and all that stuff. It's not necessarily that case, uh-huh. um, right? Because, you know, you're not going to go through the door first. You're just putting him in the backyard to, yeah. to, go, to go do his business right. in the backyard. Uh-huh. Um, but you still want that dog to be, to know that, you know, you're the one who's letting him outside. Yeah. And that starts to feed into more of your leadership stuff, right? Okay. Um, you know, putting the food bowl down, right? We don't want that dog just rushing in there before, you know, before you can even get your hands out. Mm-hmm. Right? You got to let him know his weight. We're working. Um, you know, you wait for a second and, and then you'll get your 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 um, your reward, right? Your dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, like all, little things like that really do you know, set up those boundaries and set up those rules, right? You know, not letting the, if, if it's a, if it's a really pushy dog, um, you know, not letting him on the couch, yeah. right, without your permission, all that stuff. Everything needs to be permission-based okay. pretty much. And it sounds really micromanaging, but, uh-huh. you know, at first it is, you know, really, really micromanaging, but as you get on with it, as the dog realizes the rules and stuff, it becomes really, really, you know, autonomous, right? It just becomes yeah. part of your relationship. Hmm. I guess the the micromanagement goes a long way and in the end, right? Maybe it's it's more work at the start that gets easier and, and less work over yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so part of setting rules and boundaries, it's it involves um ensuring that the dog waits and, and waits for your permission and your okay sign. So how do we train a dog to do that? Whether it's, uh, when I open the door, the dog just doesn't rush out the door or when I put the food, do- da- the food bowl down, the dog just doesn't mm-hmm. rush in and gobble up all the food. How do I train the dog to wait for my signal? Yeah, so for sure. Um, so with a pup, let's say around, you know, anything over five months or so like that, mm-hmm. or even younger, if you've, if, you know, if you've got your pup at like three months or something, um, you know, at this phase, it's just, you know, put that leash on and just not let the dog do it, right? Mm-hmm. Make him wait for a second with that leash. Um, you know, at this point, the dog's a little bit too young for us to put any corrections on or, mm-hmm. or you know, be a little bit too hard, um, stern, right? Mm-hmm. We still want to be, you know, nice and fun and, and, and loose with everything. Mm-hmm. But we can still, you know, use that leash to let him know that he can't just pop through that, that boundary, right? Right. So typically with that door open, you know, if I've got a pop in, um, I'll put that lead on, you know, I'll open that door and then if that dog tries to go out that door i'll just stop him you know reset okay. him uh-huh. and then you know i'll try that a couple times and then eventually i'll say okay let's go and then we'll we'll both you know go through the door at yeah that, at that point okay or same thing with the food right yep. he's just not allowed to go after it right away mm-hmm. and eventually the dogs will settle down by themselves mm-hmm. and that's when you know once they do settle down that's when you want to mark it um or or you yeah, release them for that reward okay so once they settle down, that's when you can start to do it without the leash and then see how they, they respond to that. Yeah. I typically leave the leash on for, okay. for all my training sessions, just so I have that amount of control. Yeah. But yeah, like as, as they get on with it, you know, after you've done it a handful of times, the dog starts to realize, and yeah, you know, obviously you don't want to put a leash on every time you're just feeding them for breakfast or dinner or uh-huh. something like that. Um, but yeah, they will get on with it. Right. Yeah. It, these things click pretty quick for them too. Okay. Yeah, they're quick. Yeah, they're quick learners. I, I've noticed. Um, they're they're, they're sp- smarter than um, <laughs> than we give them. <laughs> they, they are smarter than we give them credit for. That's true. They, I, my dog surprised me uh, on a few occasions. Um, <laughs> Where'd you learn that, buddy? <laughs> yeah, no. I, like, how did, how did how did you get that so quickly? Like, <laughs> yeah. 
I, I, I feel like I, I didn't even do that. I feel like I didn't even teach her it, and and she gets it. So maybe it was her mm. her previous owners because she's a rescue. But um, um, okay, so we have them waiting for permission at first, and then um, you also mentioned punishments. Uh, is that the right oh. way to think about it? When a dog does something bad when when the dog's behavior is something that we want to correct do we have to punish the dog yeah. and if so how do we punish the dog yeah so put blatantly it is a punishment um but you know it's punishment correction or like i said earlier just even the mere fact of you know being okay with saying no to your dog yeah. right okay there are different types of you know punishments or corrections you can put on the dog you know whether that's just closing that space between you and the dog is already you know for for a lot of dogs that's already a correction in itself. Right. Um, just because they don't really like us closing on that pressure, right? And they can feel our energy. Mm-hmm. But when we are telling them to, 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 to sit and they're not doing it, right? A lot of people will step in and they have no idea that, you know, they're actually putting some sort of, you know, correction, um, corrective uh, pressure on the dog. Yeah. Right? Um, but, you know, you, even just saying no to your dog, right? Changing your energy a little bit, little pops on the collar. Uh-huh. Um, or if you're on the e-collar, then, you know, you can give a correction on there too. Uh-huh. But yeah, you definitely want to be correcting for behaviors you don't like, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <clears throat> building, building behaviors in the dog, right? We're going to reward for behaviors we like, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's going to increase the chances of, of that behavior happening again. Yeah. Right. So with behaviors we don't like, we just need to decrease the value of, 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 said behavior right mm-hmm. say uh, you know that's jumping on people right? yeah. every time every time that dog jumps onto a person he's rewarding himself because it you know it feels good right <laughs> he's getting what he wants he's uh-huh. getting attention yeah. right so how do we combat that we have to add in something to decrease the value of you know him jumping or the dog jumping onto onto said person right right so whether that's a pop on the collar um you know the person stepping into that dog's face while he's jumping up yeah right we just need to, in order to beat these behaviors, we just need to do, decrease the value of it. Mm. Um, so, you know, in, in layman's terms, you know, we just got to make it suck, more or less. <laughs> right? yeah. Obviously, you want to do all these things fairly, right? Yeah. You don't want to just be a jerk to your dog. For but sure. if your dog's being a jerk to you, right? Make with, it suck in, in for the fairs, dog, right? While, while being fair, yeah. you got to you know, let them know, hey, that, that's not on. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's a good way of thinking about it. I think, um, how, so how, what are some things you mentioned standing in between your dog and say the person he's jumping up on, or, or are there any other ways we can make it suck for our dog when our dog's behaving poorly? Depends on really, really depends on what type of dog you have. Yeah. Okay. The, the, you know, amount of, of pressure they can take really, really varies. Right. Right. Um, you know, some dogs, you just say, no, nope, you know, and they're, they're like, okay, you know, sorry. Right. But the other, so some other dogs, you can, you can have them on that leash and you can yank on that leash as hard as you can and they still won't care. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on, 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 you know, what kind of dog you have. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. And what your skill set is as, you know, as a handler, as an owner. Right. Mm-hmm. So pops on the leash, you know, and there are tools to kind of help, you know, kind of close those gaps. Right. So like, you know, if you got your prom collars, your slip collars and all that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, martingale collars and, uh, you know, aggressive dog collars, e-collars, mm-hmm. there's so much stuff, right? right? It all really depends on what works for you and what works for your dog. And all at the same time, you know, being fair, right? I just want to, you know, broken, broken record over here. But you know, when you, whenever you're going to use a correction on your dog, 
right? You want to be fair about it, right? Yeah. Just like at work, you know, if your boss just comes in yelling at you <laughs> and, 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 you know, giving you write ups for no reason, you're yeah. like, well, what the heck, right? You didn't learn anything. Uh-huh. And now you're stressed out, right? And, you're, yeah. you're, and it's, it's not a good environment. But, you know, if your boss comes in and, and you know, says, you know, A, B, C, and D, you know, this is what you did wrong. I need mm-hmm. you to fix it, right? You're like, oh, okay, we'll do better next time, right? And then, you know, you'll get your pay afterwards. <laughs> yeah, for so that's, sure. That's, that's kind of the same the same thing we kind of want to, you know, think about with our dogs, right? Okay. We, always, we always want to pay them for the work they do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, we, we do need to tell them that, you know, that's wrong, that's whatever it is, right? For sure. I think it goes back to the uh, leadership as- aspect, right? And, and a good leader is fair and mm-hmm. and um and prevents i guess it, i like how you said it before where where you were saying i don't want my dog to do something that's gonna um be unsafe or or, or something like that or, or that's gonna harm mm-hmm. other people so i think that's a good way of looking yeah. at it is is uh keeping your dog out of harm's way and from harming others Mm-hmm, um, exactly. yeah. Are there any, are there any specific behaviors that we should watch out for? I mean, I know a lot of, uh, this, as you mentioned is, is really dog specific and all dogs are different. They have different personalities, mm-hmm. different backgrounds. Um, are there, as we're getting to know our, our dog, is there anything that we should be on the watch for in terms of behaviors that we want to correct or work oh, yeah. on? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> So this is probably going to apply a little bit more to like older dogs, you know, yeah. if you're rescuing dogs, yep. um, you know, like a year old or so, like seven, eight months. Um, you definitely want, especially right now, one of the biggest things you want to start looking out for is cues for separation anxiety right now. Mm. Right, That's the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be, separation anxiety is probably going to be the biggest thing that trainers are going to be working on mm-hmm. right after, you know, COVID ends or, mm-hmm. or after lockdowns lift or everyone starts going yeah, back. Yeah, I know, I know my dog's going to have a problem with this after COVID yeah, right? ends. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's like pretty big precursors to, you know, realizing that your dog's got some separation anxiety or separation, you know, heavy separation anxiety is, uh-huh. you know, is, is the dog really Velcro-y to you inside the house? Yeah. Um, you know, are you able to kind of, you know, put that dog, say, in a crate mm-hmm. and, you know, you go off your office and work and, and ignore the dog is the dog okay with that mm-hmm. um you know obviously leaving the house having the dog in a crate you know is it whining is it barking on stuff mm-hmm. um we want to start looking out for that so we can start working on it right because it's gonna it's really unnatural for a dog you know to be in our lifestyle now right yeah. where the leader's just buggering off for you know eight hours a day every day um it's super unnatural for the dog Mm -hmm. so you know we do have to take our time and and train it into the dog right Mm -hmm. right now it's not bad because everyone's at home (laughs) for the most part (laughs) right yeah so um you know the dog is nice and close with us all the time right but you know once we get back to real life we do need to you know we don't want to just throw the dog in the deep end it's like hey bye you know we're we're gone for eight ten hours a day yeah um you want to start you know easing the dog in now even right mm-hmm. um and that's and that starts with you know building distance inside the house uh using things like a place command you know where you send the dog to a bed an elevated bed uh-huh. and the dog stays there while you know you're in the kitchen cooking or you know you're just watching tv or something uh-huh. right that dog starts to be starts to learn that it's okay to be a little bit far away from you mm-hmm. um and that's probably you know one of the biggest tips i can give for for separation anxiety right now is mm-hmm. you know Start doing things with the dog that teaches them it's okay to go away from you. Yeah. Because um, they don't really need to be, you know, 
under my legs while I'm uh, trying to like cook up a steak or something or washing the dishes. Right? Mm-hmm. One, it's annoying. <laughs> One, it's really annoying depending on how big your dog is. Uh-huh. And then, you know, two, it's just not good for them to be so obsessed with being next to us. Right. Because of the lifestyle we have for them, right? Yeah. Obviously, if, if you're in a situation where your dog can be with you all the time, then, you know, go ahead, you know, build that bond like that. Who, who, mm-hmm. who really cares, right? But I think, you know, for, for a dog that's living, you know, the average person's lifestyle, we do need to put in some sort of training for that just to avoid the separation anxiety. Right. Um, another behavior you want to work, look out for too is definitely resource guarding. That yeah. can turn into aggression okay. really badly, right? Uh-huh. There's resource guarding, whether it's between, you know, dogs and humans. Um, you really want to watch out for that. With resource guarding, you know, if you are if you are noticing some, some signs of that, right, definitely reach out, talk to your trainer because mm-hmm. that can be, you know, it can be a funky situation, right? Right. So it can, um, it can, a lot of the time the resource guarding isn't that aggressive, yeah. but you know, it can be it's okay. pretty dangerous. So just to clarify by resource guarding, do you mean barking, growling at, uh, at people or when mm-hmm. people try? So and... like, you know, if the dog's got a bone or something like that, mm-hmm. or he's eating his dinner and you get close or another dog gets close, then he just, you know, they can either be, yeah, they can either start growling yeah. or they can even full on go in and try to lunge at, at whoever it is, right? Right. Lunge and like try to give them a nip. Mm-hmm. That's usually how it starts off. Um, and that's with any kind of resource, you know, whether it's a toy, you know, some people get it with, with sticks on the ground while the dog's yeah. walking outside and they try to get out of the dog's mouth and then, mm-hmm. you know, boom, you, you just get bitten there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Food, toys, uh, you know, some dogs will even resource guard their owners. That's mm-hmm. a pretty tough one. So, yeah, you know, Definitely professional help really helps with that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You, any kind of resource guarding is basically, you know, if that dog feels like uh, he needs to protect that resource, whether it's you, uh, you know, or, or food or toys. Um, I've had dogs resource guard cars for some odd reason. Car dogs, I guess. You want to watch the, look out for that. Yeah. Stuff. And it, resource guarding sometimes is a pretty difficult um behavior to kind of combat i see uh once you know once it does get to the point that you know most people look out for a trainer mm-hmm. once it gets to that point um it gets pretty tough and, and 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 funky and it can be a little bit dangerous right right but you know if you do your if you you know try to nip it in the butt really quickly it's super simple it's super easy how but do you how do you nip it in the butt um so one is going to be you know adding in the corrections yeah um so you know, we're going to say, hey, you know, leave it, um, you know, but the moment I see that kind of shift in behavior where he's kind of you know, standing over his bowl in a weird way, right, I'll put a correction on the dog depending on, on how old he is. Uh-huh. Um, so that's one way that, you know, we'll actively kind of, um, you know, fix that problem, right? Right. But with resource guarding, it's a lot easier to try and, of like proactively, I guess, work on it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that would be things like hand feeding, you know, the dog, letting him know that, you know, once you take a resource away, you are going to give it back to him. Uh-huh. Right. Um, just working on small things like that. So hand feeding, making sure you're advocating for that dog's space too, right. Yeah. When it comes to um, other dogs around. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the human side, I think the biggest thing is, is hand feeding your dog nice and early in the, in the relationship. Right. You want to let the dog know that, Yes, this resource is yours, but it's also, you know, mine at the yeah. same time. Okay. Right. It's, 
It's right. not just a free for all. You know, I put that food bowl down and then you're just standing over it. Like, no, that's that's a no go. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like if I need to get in that bowl, if something stupid happens in there, right? Yeah, I need to get in there, and you know, you have to back off. Okay, and then the other thing is also, you know, everything behavior wise too. We're gonna use our obedience, right? So, getting the dog out, you know, teaching a dog how to out using a, a, a tug game and all that jazz. Mm. And then applying that to, you know, teaching the dog how to out on, on a food bowl or on a stick, right? Just keep you a little bit more safe to that. We're not just grabbing that stick and trying to rip it out of the dog's mouth. Yeah. You're using your obedience um, and letting him know, right? Yeah. Like out, you know, back off, you know, teach him a back command or something like that, uh-huh. or sending him onto a place command to get him away from that resource to get him to disconnect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for older dogs, the way I do it is as I'll typically just correct the dog on, on the moment I notice that. You know, he's, he's starting to give me some resource guarding behavior. I see. Um, but if you are, you know, working with a dog at that point that 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 is resource guarding that hard where you need to put in correction, yeah. I would definitely reach out to a trainer because okay. that can get really wonky really, really fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, even if you're not putting in corrections, if you're just trying to, you know, if you see on YouTube, or tons of bad information on YouTube, but, yeah. you know, I've seen some videos where the where buddies just, you know, reaching in while the dog's eating, eating his food from the bowl and then, you know, reaching in really fast and ripping that bowl out. And, you know, it's a good thing he's fast, but if you're not that fast, that dog's going for your hand. Right? You're get it's a really, really uh-huh. good way to be bit. So uh-huh. you, you, you definitely want to, you know, not do those kind of things, especially if, if it's like your first time working on something like this. Too. Yeah, right. that's, that's so good to know. So good to know. Um, so I guess on the other side of that, you ha- we have behaviors that we want to stamp out and stop and then we have behaviors that we want to encourage, right? So yeah. what kind of behaviors should we encourage in our dogs? Lots of engagement with you. Anytime that dog is engaging with you, mm-hmm. um, you know, you want to reward that, right? Especially yeah. outside. Right. Uh, so you're looking up at you. Lots of eye contact. I, that's yeah. what I really like to reward. Okay. Um, yeah, engaging with you. I mean, that's probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Everything else, you're, you're probably going to be shaping and luring, you know, the sits and downs and yeah. all that stuff. Um. But yeah, you you really want to reward for the recalls. Yeah, that's a definite one because uh-huh. you know that's that's probably one of the only obedience commands that's gonna save your dog's life. Right. right? So calling calling the dog's really... name and the dog comes to you is something you mm-hmm. want to reward. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then engagement, right? So yeah, you know that dog looks up at you when we're outside. Um, you know, it's not pulling on the leash too bad. Uh, and he, he kind of checks in over knows where you are, right? Yeah. Or, you know, he's, he's bringing toys. He's bringing toys to you in place yep. to play with you okay. outside. That's, that's typically what I really like to. Yeah. Inside, it can get pretty annoying, you know, if the dog's pushy <laughs> about attention. Yeah. Um, but outside, like typically, you know, anytime a dog brings a toy to me outside, we're definitely playing. Okay. Um, and that's, and then you're just playing and, and re- that's, that's rewarding him too, right? Yeah. Keeping everything fun, the more we do it, the more he's going to you know, keep right. on doing it with us, pretty much, right? So so to encourage these behaviors, we want to reward them. And I like how you describe it as making it fun for your dog to do yeah, these things, exactly. right? I guess the other way of thinking about it, as you said, is building value in these behaviors. And um, mm-hmm. exactly. and so I guess there are some ways we can do it. We can, we can be really excited and happy. Um, we can give treats, I guess. Mm-hmm. We can we can play. Is there any other ways we can reward good behavior? Yeah, I mean, like you can, you know, verbally praise, right? Good boy yeah. and all that stuff. Physical yeah. affection, and it's it really depends on your dog, right? Yeah. Some dogs are going to be more food motivated. Yeah. Some dogs are going to be more toy motivated. Mm-hmm. And some dogs are just going to be, you know, 
oh, the, the, the verbal praise and the, and the physical affection is enough. Yeah. Right. right. Um, unfortunately, you know, none of my own dogs, you know, are, are, are lovers of, of just physical affection and verbal praise. You know, they always want me to pay them with something. So, <laughs> so you know, to anyone out there with, with uh-huh. a dog that's, that's A-OK with just, you know, you saying good boy. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm envious of you there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know that. My dog loves treats. And sometimes yeah. I feel like maybe I overdo it and, I, and I'm worried I'm bribing my dog a little mm-hmm. bit yeah. is is there a danger so that of that? It, that way. it really depends on how you're using your treats there yeah right if, if you're in the mindset of you know you've got to bribe your dog like what you said earlier yeah um you know if you're if he won't sit unless you show him the treat and he knows you have a treat in your hand mm-hmm. right that's obviously not that's, that useful right i mean outside yeah. you're not mm-hmm. yeah exactly a little bit problematic uh, once you guys get outside or if you run out of treats right <laughs> um and that that typically does happen yeah it does um, happen yep yeah. But like for me, like I, I, I stick, I use a lot of treats in my training, okay. so, but the way I use it, you know, at first I'll bribe the dog, you know, we'll lure and shape the dog with the treat, you know, yeah. uh, to get into whatever position. But as, as that dog starts learning, you know, the biomechanics of that movement or whatever right. position that we're masking him to go into, uh-huh. then I'll shift from, you know, uh, a mindset of, okay, I'm bribing you or I'm luring you to go into this position and I'll shift it to something uh, more along the lines of, okay, you know, you've done your, what I've asked you now I'm going to pay you. Right. Right. So right. In, in that sense, I won't produce the treat until, you know, the dog has, has done A, B, C, and D. And then mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, yes. Right. And then yeah. I'll produce the treat and pay him afterwards. Yeah. And just that little shift, um, in the, in your mindset really gets you away in your training, um, from the dog only working for a treat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. it's it's not, not really something that people you know kind of think about actively and even some of my clients too that we've worked together for you know two or three sessions they'll still be stuck on you know trying to get their dog uh to bribe their dog yeah and i'm like no, no no here give me the leash right we'll go we'll go through all these some of these movements and then the dog will you know start doing things without me having treats um hmm. you know showing it to him or anything like yeah. that right and you know, clients are like, "Well, how'd you do that?" I was like, um, "You just need to shift your mindset a little bit, right?" Uh-huh. And because you know, if you keep on saying, "You know, my dog is not going to do this," you know, behavior without 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 a treat or a reward that he can see, yeah, he's not going to do it because you're not going to you know make him, right? Yeah, you need to you need to make him do it, and then you know, after you've made him do it a couple of times, he gets used to it, right? Then you want to pay him for doing it afterwards. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then that way the dog gets used to being, okay, right. I got to do, you know, I got to do this in order to get my reward hmm. instead of, oh, there's my reward. I'm going to do this. And now here, give me it. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It sounds a little bit confusing, but <laughs> if you can wrap your head around it. <laughs> no, it makes uh, It makes sense. Yeah. I guess, I guess it's it, the way you, the way you described it makes perfect sense. It's, it's about making your dog do something first and then paying your dog after. Right. It's not about yeah, uh, exactly. thinking like, Oh, I have to pay you to do this kind of thing. It's a different, it's a different mm, mindset. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. I think that makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, it's, it's super slight, but it's, it's, yeah. it's right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think in training a dog, commands are are very important, aren't they? And mm-hmm. and getting the dog to learn certain commands and and language. Uh, how does that play into training? And how do you teach your dogs commands? And what are some commands that every dog owner should teach their dogs? Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, like my protocol for, for, you know, teaching a dog uh, a new command mm -hmm. or, um, you know, or tying in a command is basically, you know, the first few sessions I'm doing with that dog, especially if it's a puppy, mm -hmm. right? I'm not saying anything to the dog, uh, you know, say if I'm trying to work on, on a down or something like that, right? When a dog doesn't know how to get into that down yet, I'm not going to say any command, mm -hmm. right? So, so for those first couple of sessions, you know, first like five, 10 minute sessions, you know, I'll just, I'll just be using the food and, and, and luring the dog into that position. Mm -hmm. And then once he gets in that position, you know, I'll go ahead and say yes and give him that reward. Mm -hmm. Once I know that he can, you know, consistently get into that position with my lure, mm -hmm. that's when I'll add in, you know, um, you know, before I give him that lure again, I'll say, uh, you know, Fido down, right? Give him that lure. Yeah. He, he goes into that down position. I say yes down right yeah I, I really try to keep my chit chat down to a minimum that okay. way the dog can really really focus on yeah um on the on the words i'm saying there uh, -huh. uh and then you know the biggest thing you want to avoid is obviously you know you hear this from a lot of people they're like final down final down final down you know they just and it just you know, they're, they're just repeating like down like a hundred times and yeah. then finally the dog downs on you know the 105th time <laughs> um you want to avoid that right right um uh, you know just say it once or twice and and, and use that lure okay but, and that's typically, you know, the dogs will, will, will pick up on it pretty quick. Okay. Um, especially if you're not, you know, doing too much chit chat. Yeah. You know, if you're not saying too much puppy talk to him and saying random stuff, um, just keep it really binary, right? Yeah. Use your commands. So, you know, in, in this case, the commands would be Fido, down, and yes, right? Mm. So while you're in that session, you just want to use those three things, right? Yeah. Fido, right? You get his attention. Down, right? Wait a bit. He finally does it down. Yes. Right. Yes, is, is our is our positive positive marker. Mm -hmm. It means that he's gonna get paid, right? Right. Um, and then, and then we just repeat the command one more time after that, just so he gets the hang of hearing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What uh, um, What are some behaviors that we want that we want to teach our dogs? We talked about um, behaviors that we want to stop, and mm -hmm. recall is an important behavior that we want to teach our dogs because, as you mentioned, that's that keeps our dogs safe from running in yeah. front of cars and things like that. Uh, are there any other behaviors that we should teach our dogs? Um, so you, yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, and then you just uh, and then you just went over to that recall. If you're yeah. not going to teach your dog anything else which, I mean, you probably shouldn't <laughs> not teach your dog anything else. But if you're not going to teach your dog anything else, the most important thing is that recall. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, if your dog's going to be off leash and he's and he's trying to go up to another dog, uh, like unsolicited, um, and he's trying to go up to another dog, right? You need to be able to call him off that dog. Yeah. Right? That dog might not like, um, you know, other dogs rushing onto him and mm -hmm. then we're going to get into a dog fight. Or, you know, you know, if your dog is running, you know, chasing a bunny and all that stuff, yeah. right? you need to be able to recall him. Yeah. Uh, and typically you just want to go over your basics at least, right? Mm -hmm. Sits, sits down, you know, down stays and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. Um, you typically want to work on, uh, some sort of eye contact, uh, command. Right. So whether that's, you know, you call his name, uh, call the dog's name and it looks up at your eyes mm -hmm. or if you, you, you tie a command, like look at me or focus. Mm -hmm. I typically like to teach dogs that, um, but yeah, just go, you know, the most important things to start off with is your, your basics, right? Right. Sit down, your stays. Um, and that's, that's going to work on, on your leadership as well. Yeah. You know, if you are making the dog, you know, follow through, um, with those commands, right. Holding them accountable yeah. for what you ask them to do. And then what's always, what's always nice too, is teaching your dog a place command. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's pretty much, you know, you've got this elevated dog bed kind of looks like a trampoline. <laughs> um, it works on any, any kind of elevated surface but you okay. know you want to teach dogs 
how to be sent away to that position. Right. Um, the elevation is important. It's, it has to be elevated. Yeah. Yeah. So the elevation helps when, uh, it helps with showing the dog's threshold, right? Yeah. Um, so it's really clear as a dog that you got to step off and step onto, you know, what it is. Mm -hmm. And then, and then basically they've just got to stay on there. Yeah. The place command is, it's, it's, it's a two, it's kind of like, it's got two, two kind of benefits to it. Right. Yeah. One is the send away where we're teaching the dog how to go away from us and they're going to get rewarded mm-hmm. for that. And the other part is, you know, that dog is on now this, you know, lifted threshold mm-hmm. where they have to stay on there. You know, they can do whatever they want. They can bark, spin, you know, do backflips on, on the freaking <laughs> on the bed if they want, but they just can't step off of that boundary. Okay. Right. So that's, you know, that helps you with some of your separation anxiety stuff, teaching the dog that, you know, He's got to build that space between you. Mm-hmm. Right? It's okay to be away from us, right? With the yeah. send away and for him staying on there. And, you know, things like door rushing and, 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 and stuff, right? That that threshold is a lot easier for him to stay on than, let's say, um, your typical down state or something. Yeah. Right? It's a lot easier for the dog to break his obedience, um, his stay obedience, you know, just doing a regular down state rather than a place command. Hmm. And... You know, I think if you, if you really solidify, you know, so your recall, your sit down, uh, your stay, uh, and your place command, mm-hmm. if you really work on those, you know, for that five things, you're pretty much going to have a pretty solid dog, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's not, you know, there's no really like fancy, um, you know, commands and all that like stuff. Like do a backflip or, or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you just want to focus on the yeah. basics, man, and keep it nice and simple, right? Yeah. And obviously, you know, you as, as you get down, you know, get more comfortable with your training, you want to start teaching them positions like, right. uh, you know, your heel position and mm-hmm. and doing extra fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But the basis, you know, you want to set up that good foundation. So, you know, those five things that I said earlier, you know, recall, sit down, stays, and and that place. Mm-hmm. That's probably going to get you a solid dog. Okay. Um, as long as you work on that thing, because right? there's, there's, I know it's called basic obedience, but there's really no such thing as advanced obedience. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just basic obedience done really well. Yeah. Right. Right. And so a lot of people ask me like, what's, what are, what's some advanced obedience stuff? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Can your dog like, you know, sit, stay there while you toss the ball? Yeah. Like, no. Okay. Well then there you go. There's, there's your uh, advanced okay. obedience, huh. right? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It's an interesting way of thinking about it. It's uh, it's just the basics done really well. I like that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, how much time should we spend training our dog? Um, if if we're thinking in terms of maybe a daily, is it? A, I'm sure it's a daily time we spend mm-hmm. working with our dog. Uh, but how how much time typically should we devote to that? And 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 maybe the repetition. Is it twice a day? Is it once a day? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, sort of, sort of. Uh, what, what what do you recommend? That's a really good question, um, and I get that question a lot. What I typically say is, don't devote any time to your training, other mm-hmm. than like if you're going to be training, you know, during your meal time, mm-hmm. or you know, if there's a you know funky time of the day where the dog like reacts to, mm-hmm. you know, say like 5 p.m. A lot of people come if you're living in a condo. 5 p.m. A lot of people come home, and mm-hmm. the dog's reactive to that. Yep. Then yeah, that's when you want to devote some training time because uh-huh. it's you know you're just setting up the situation there, right? Mm-hmm. But for, you know, especially for puppies um, and new dogs, right, if you're just working on regular, you know, obedience stuff or trying to teach them new tricks, you want to keep these sessions fairly, fairly short. Yeah. Anywhere five minutes, 
for pups, I'd say as max mm-hmm. five to 10 minutes okay. uh, with an older dog, maybe I'll max go like 20 minutes mm-hmm. um, and just do it as many times as you can throughout the day. Okay. Right. Because if we start trying to schedule, um, you know, our training sessions uh, daily, one we you know, now we're on a schedule. Yeah. So, you know, it might, it, may, it makes it a little bit harder for you too, right? Yeah. If you're trying to sit there for an hour, right? When you think about, oh, now I gotta, <laughs> yeah, I gotta a little workout for uh-huh. an hour. I gotta you know, train my dog for an hour. Kind of get lazy about it, right? Yeah. So what I say is usually, you know, just whatever free time you have, right? Just spend like five minutes, do a couple repetitions. That's it. Okay. We'll call it that from there. Okay. Then we'll go on. Um, so you know, the more times you can do it through, throughout the day, the better it is. But you want to keep those sessions really, really short, mm-hmm. right? You want that dog to stay engage with you maximum energy while we're working right we want to kind of stop that session before the dog checks out right um, that makes sense i guess that keeps it from being over compartmentalized as well where the mm-hmm. dog is is only responding to you during quote-unquote training time yeah um you, you you've talked a little bit about uh the difference between puppies and older dogs are there any other differences uh, that we should know about if we're getting a puppy versus if we're getting an older dog is there anything else we have to keep in mind beyond what we've just uh what you've already mentioned well yeah um puppies are just you know it's a really big patience game mm-hmm. um you know you can't be too hard on them you kind of have mm-hmm. to do what they want to do yeah for the first little while with an older dog you know i can say okay you know right now we're working on sit yeah all right we're gonna be working on sit but with a puppy you know if if i go into that that you know five ten minute training session with that mindset um where i'm just like really really set on you know we're doing sit that's that's it right <laughs> it, it gets pretty stressful for the pup uh-huh. and you know if the pup is giving us a down instead of a sit yeah uh, and we're trying to force that sit it just gets really stressful for the dog and for us as well right so mm-hmm. with puppies you know you just want to be really you know go wherever the road takes you right yeah you know we you can go into that session thinking, okay you know today we're going to work on sits but if that dog is just giving you down then you know just switch that session okay we're doing down mm-hmm. right you want to capture that behavior that the puppy's getting you mm-hmm. so i mean with with pups easiest way to put it is you want to try to capture their behaviors mm-hmm. um you know depending on what they're doing that that session and with older dogs right we can be a little bit more uh stern about what we're going to be right. working on that day okay. interesting uh, is there anything we should do when we first get a new dog? Like anything we should, uh, start with or mm-hmm. focus? I would on? say, uh, crate training. Crate training. Yeah. Crate training is the biggest yeah. one. Okay. Um, and also, you know, don't be too overbearing with your dog, yeah. uh, onto your dog, okay. especially if it's, if it's a pup or, um, or if, you know, if it's a rescue that's kind of more skittish about people. Yeah. Right. Don't be too overbearing, you know, let the dog, you know, put the dog in the crate once you get home. Mm-hmm. Right, take him out, let him explore the house, but mm-hmm. don't don't kind of force yourself too much on that dog there. Right. Um, yeah, we just don't want to be too overbearing with the dog. Huh. But yeah, the first thing I would work on is is you know um, the crate training. <laughs> that's that's a, a must for for any dog. Yeah. Um, you know, keep them safe. Yeah. Keep them safe. Keeps gives you some peace of mind, uh-huh. and you know it stops them from turning some of these behaviors into habits. Right. Right. Right, where the you know the dog has access to uh, chewing on shoes or slippers or whatever it is, yeah. right? Uh, especially with a puppy, we can't really correct the dog for that. Yeah, so it's kind of unfair to correct a young dog mm-hmm. for that. But how we stop those behaviors is just by you know just not letting them do it. Right, mm-hmm. the less they get to do it, the less chances there are of, of them doing it. 
Mm-hmm. So that crate saves you all of that. Um, yeah. yeah. One of the difficult things of crate training, it seems like, is is um, being able to uh, stand when your dog cries <laughs> and barks while mm. it's in the crate. Is that is that uh, part of crate training that people have a lot of difficulty with? Yeah, and that's yeah. that's probably the biggest thing that discourages people from yeah. crate training. Uh-huh. You know, they they get too kind of emotionally invested with their dog. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's sad. He's he's uh, you know whatever blah blah blah. He doesn't like the crate. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, well you haven't done the training, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I asked a lot of clients that give up on crate training, how long they tried it for. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, you know, four days. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, anything you try with your dog for four days, they're not going to like it. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, you really want to, you know, try to push through that, that first phase of, of, you know, the dog whining and crying. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is just ignoring the dog, you know, not even looking at it, mm-hmm. uh, not addressing it or anything. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, letting it out once it's, once it's nice and calm. Yeah. Um, you know, typically what I say, you know, if your dog is going crazy uh, and barking in that crate all day long, right, just just put him in that crate and, and go out for, go get a coffee or something. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, you know, they do give up on, on crate training way too early uh-huh. just because, you know, they can't deal with the whining or, or whatever it is. Uh-huh. But the crate... If you can push through that first, you know, week or so it, it, that it takes for the dog to start learning how to settle down, uh-huh. it's going to save you, one, a lot of money. You know, it's not going to destroy <laughs> too much stuff. Um, yeah. you know, it's going to save you from the accident. It's going to make, you know, housebreaking a lot easier. Yeah. Um, safety for the dog, you know, save some money on, on vet trips as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and and behavior side, right? I mean, we're just micromanaging with what it really yeah. comes down to um, like with, with the pup. Okay. Is there anything we should never do with our dogs? Mm, yeah, so I would say one is, you know, when your dog is kind of feeling, you know, anxious or, or kind of skittish about whatever situation it is, mm-hmm. right? really avoid picking up your dog. That okay. is, you know, one of the things I hate the most when I see someone, you know, picking up their dog. Yeah. Um, when, it's, when it's anxious or whenever it's fearful or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Um, that doesn't help the dog in any aspect, you know, it's just because we, we're in a rush and we need to get through whatever it is. Right. Um, so, you know, not picking up your dog is, is a really big one because, you know, picking up your dog when they are in, a, in an anxious state like that, right. Is it, it kind of keeps them in that mindset, right? Mm-hmm. We, we don't, we're not really giving them a chance to move on, um, you know, mentally from whatever stimulus is causing them to be you know, all wonky. Yeah. Um, so then, then, you know, then we get dogs that are just you know, super obsessed with being in your arms and we get a lot of behavior problems, right? Mm-hmm. And they get really anxious about things. What you want to do is, you know, just, you know, use that leadership that we're talking about and try to help guide the dog through whatever it is we're going through, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, if they're, you know, it sounds mean, but you know, if they're planting, they're putting on the brakes, right? And they won't go. You just got to make them go. That's, yeah. that's essentially what it comes down to. Uh-huh. And as we keep on doing that, you know, the dog is going to be able to, you know, work, work itself through it. Right. It's like, Oh, it's not that bad. You know, I'm going to yeah. stay next to mom. I'm going to stay next to dad and you know, nothing bad is happening to me. Right. Yeah. Say, you know, we're walking by a garbage can and the dog doesn't like garbage can. <laughs> oh, we're just going to, we're not, obviously we're not going to just walk, you know, and then right beside the garbage can, but yeah. we'll, we'll take a little bit of space. Right. But we'll, we'll work, that threshold, that, that, that stimulus that's, that's making them go, go funny. Okay. Um, yeah, you just want the dog to, to realize like, you know, as long as I'm doing this with, 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 um, with my handler, 
mm-hmm. that we're going to be a okay, right? Everything's going to be you know, good. When you when you pick up that dog, when you pick up that dog to 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 go through those right those um, funny situations, it doesn't give them that chance. Yeah, to move on, and then now they're just stuck fearful for you know every time, right? That makes sense. Um, and then the last thing, another thing that you should definitely never ever do is you know alpha rolling your dog some like stuff like that right like what's that um so alpha rolling your dog is basically it's, it's an older training technique yeah. but it's used by a lot of guys that that, that rep the whole you know alpha dog i'm the alpha of the pack okay okay mentality yeah. um and that's when you know the dog's doing something dumb or is being aggressive and you literally take the dog and you roll it off its back and you pin it down uh, okay huh. you'd be surprised by how many people actually do that? Yeah. Um, and yeah, typically, you know, don't do that. <laughs> You're, it's really good, really, really easy way to get bit. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really teach the dog anything, right? Okay. I mean, there's there's way better, you know, types of corrections that you can use for the dog. Right? Pops on the collars. Yeah. Um, you know, withholding treats and all that stuff, yeah. or withholding rewards. But you know, pops on the collars, using something like some things like bonkers and then e collars and stuff. Yeah. Um, that's how you want to correct your dog. You, you never really want to be physical with your dog right. because it's detrimental to your, your relationship with them. Yeah. And then two, it's extremely stupid and unsafe. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and it's not really fair, right? I mean, you, you got like a 150 pound, you know, man just pinning down your dog. <laughs> um, and it, it's stupid. <laughs> that's, uh-huh. that's all I can really say about that. <laughs> uh-huh. So my last question is, where can one find more information about dog training if they want to learn more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, there's tons of resources online, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of you know where I got my first foot in the door um, in terms of dog training. But you just got to be wary about you know what you're reading, and you know if you're if you're reading something that says you know is this thing is bad, you should probably you know be subjective about it and, yeah. and you know try to find the the other side of things, okay. right? And then you know go ahead and make your own decisions from there. Especially with dog training, right? It's, 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 it's your own style, yeah. Right, uh, but you just want to make that 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 decision, you know, with with as much information as as, as you can get, right? For sure. Um, YouTube is always a good resource, uh-huh. right? But at the same time, you know, just watching, you know, double checking what you're watching, right? So I guess if, honestly, if 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 you're watching a video and um, and you're saying, why the heck is he doing this, or that doesn't seem right, uh-huh. then you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. But, you know, if something feels off, then, you know, don't go with, don't go with it. Right. Even if it's like a, something like a technique that I would use, yeah. right. Might not be right for you. Might right. not, you know, go, go into your training style. Right. Okay. Um, so I guess it, com- yeah, I, I, comes, it comes down to different sources, right? So you don't want to just use the same source, like the same YouTube channel. You want to view multiple YouTube channels yeah, and exactly. find what works best for your dog. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, you put it you put it a lot better than I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, you you definitely you know want to pull pull in all this information and then just use what works for you, right? Yeah. Um. So I mean, like a, a YouTube page I, I really like to follow, you know, is like Upstate Canine Academy. Um, those guys are really good. Okay. I do like to follow you know uh, Robert Crabell. Um, any of my friends over at you know um, Canine Expeditions. They're pretty solid, mm-hmm. and you know they post a lot on their Instagram page as well. Um, lots of information out there, okay. and I think that's a pretty good place to start. And then obviously, you know, my own Instagram at yep. <laughs> at the Canine Engineer, right? Uh, I don't post that too too often, but I'll post a lot of stories. 
Um, so you can see me working on my dogs. Yeah. And stuff. And your videos are great, by the way. I, I love your uh, training videos. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I, Definitely highly recommend if, if you, if you're a dog owner to follow the canine engineer on Instagram and that's canine, the letter K and the number nine in case, in case that <laughs> needs to be said. But I imagine most people use that, that, uh, yeah. spelling. Abbreviation, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. And the website, your website is the, is also the canine engineer.com. So mm-hmm. if yeah, anyone I'm, wants to go I'm, ahead and I'm book. lucky enough to get, uh, all the same handles yeah. for everything. <laughs> Yeah, the website, you know, the canine engineer.com. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Instagram, like you said, the canine engineer. Yeah. Um, and yeah. All right. So, and if anyone needs, uh, wants to book a training session, are you, are you doing training during COVID times? Yeah. So, right now, I'm, I'm typically just doing like the emergency right. sessions. Um, so, if you, if you got a bad, if you've got a bad dog, which is my favorite, um, <laughs> your favorite, <laughs> you like the difficult dog. cases, huh? Exactly. Yeah, right. You, okay. you got to keep me on my toes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it's, I like, I like, I really like to see the, the change that we can, you know, uh, even after just our one session that we can, you know, apply to a person's life and their dog. Right. Cause a lot of the times when people, clients come to me, uh, it's already at the point where, you know, this dog has to know be okay otherwise you know we have to give them up and all that stuff uh, so yeah. it's my favorite thing you know to help to help you guys out especially with those emergency sessions um and you know save your dog's uh life or, or yeah. save your relationship with your dog right that's that's, that's that, all my favorite stuff to do that's what it's all about huh that must be the mm-hmm. the, the one of the joys of doing this uh is uh changing changing a dog's life and a human's life and changing that yeah, relationship sure. like, that's, yeah. that's really what i'm there for yeah. I mean, <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much, Charlie, for taking the time to talk to me today. I've learned so much and um, best of luck with your with your dog training in the future. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ryan. I mean, it was a great time being on here. I like talking to you. <laughs> you kind of get me to ramble on about dogs. So. <laughs> glad, glad, always fun. Glad, glad to hear it anytime. Come back and ramble about dog training anytime. Uh, <laughs> well, that was a possum conversation. I feel like I can take Marshmallow's training to the next level now. Marshmallow is my dog, by the way. Thanks again to Charlie Vu for sharing his knowledge and experience. Follow him on Instagram at the Canine Engineer and check out his website, thecanineengineer.com. Our website is amateurpod.com. You can follow us on Instagram at amateurpod. Happy 2021. I wish you all the best of luck in meeting your learning goals for the new year. I'd love to hear what those are, so don't hesitate to reach out. Until next time, there's a teacher in everyone you meet.